better lay low. <laughs> you better chill. <laughs> you you better. better lay low. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> morning good day good afternoon good evening good night good people wherever you are in the world welcome to another episode of music and we i am jamila and i'm jesse yes i should actually say that this podcast is now on various platforms some yes, i just found out about absolutely i just found apple out about podcast so yeah apple podcast pocket cast listen notes get podcast nice. pod bay and of course Podbean. there might yes. be some more i have no idea do you know of any other ones um i think those are i think it's on overcast as well i checked on overcast as well so listen to us on your way to the job you know doing something whatever you can listen to us everywhere instead of just Podbean. Yes. You can listen on Podbean too, but there are various platforms now, which again, I just found out about. And now I just found out about another one. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyone who has trouble getting on Podbean, you have other options now, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, that's dope. Accessibility <laughs> for everyone. Yay. <laughs> well, everyone who has a computer, that is. True. Or, 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 or a, a phone. phone. Yeah. We were talking earlier about just always depending on these small devices. I rarely look at the thing. And yeah. I saw that you had, was it nine apps in each thing? Yeah, I have a category. I have like four folders for each category and about nine apps in each folder. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, oh, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm good. I'm good with just using the laptop yeah, or the yeah, desktop. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. Uh, you know, obviously... Because of organizing, I have to use the phone right. and everything. But that's pretty much mostly what I use it for. I know. You you don't use your phone often. That's <laughs> no, true. <I> <laughs> <laughs> so the subject today regarding the question of when it's a good time to ever critique a person. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Before we even get into that, I want to begin discussing a particular person. <laughs> So this person at one point in time was considered to be the greatest songwriter of all time by Bob Dylan. This person mm. had a whole genre established based on one song. Do you know who I'm talking about? I'm curious because I can't say I know. William Smokey Robinson. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Quiet Storm. Ooh. A whole, oh, that's a right. whole genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Based that's off his song. Absolutely, for sure. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Smokey Robinson. Oh my goodness, Smokey. So this kind of goes into what we're talking about today, but it's a little diversion at the same time. But this dude, okay. <laughs> so I could go on for hours talking about that poem he sent on Deaf Comedy Jam. Right, yeah. Or was course. it Deaf Poetry Jam, I Def should poetry say? Poetry Jam, yeah. Maybe you could say yeah. it's comedy. I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely comedy. <laughs> but he went on this whole thing about how he's not African. Right. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> well, he was talking about we, we built this country. So that whole thing where we built this country so I'm American or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I'm like. He was saying all kinds of stuff. Where do you think your ancestors came from, homie? Right. Like, what? 
So, yeah, I could talk about that all day, but we're not going to go there because that's a whole other episode <laughs> onto it. So, so that deserves a whole conversation. Absolutely. So I'm not, I'm not even going to go there right now. Yeah. And we can even go into gang banging. Gang banging. Gang banging. Yeah. Disrespecting your mother. Killing your brother. <laughs> doing that coke. Smoking that dope. dope. Whatever. He's a, yeah, I, all of that. And he had a whole video. He was feeling I know. It. He was serious. He was. Yeah. And I think that was ultimately a gospel song or something. Oh, my goodness. I think. I think it was under the guise of gospel. He had this hoodie on. He was just emoting. It yeah, was. It was something. Another deaf comedy jam. <laughs> I don't that's comedic goal right there. Absolutely. I know that Smokey Robinson didn't mean for it to be. But it actually is. But <laughs> <laughs> so what I do want to talk about with you, you know what I want to talk about. His album that recently came out. What's it called? Gasms. <laughs> you give me eye gasm. Gasm. Oh, that was a good Smokey. <laughs> I've been no. listening to that song a lot. For real? <laughs> yes. I heard it Maybe once. Because that was of, I know, I know. Once was But enough. because of that song, it reminds me of a woman in my church who I used to go to church with back in New Orleans named Sister Grey. And she sung like Smokey Robinson. She with every inflection was... So I love that be song because of that. Smokey. It's because of Sister Grey. I have to give credit to Sister Grey because that's who I... That's Smokey before I knew Smokey. Dang. <laughs> you said... Wow, you need to go on a tour where you do smoky impressions. That was excellent. Well, thank you. I can't do that. Smoking that smoke. I can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. So Smokey Robinson was a man who wrote to me one of the greatest songs about loving your kid despite the parents going their separate ways mm -hmm. a song called the love between me and my kids so right. it's up there with your daddy loves you by gil scott heron those are mm. my two favorite songs about that subject and the love between me and my kids is actually my favorite Smokey robinson song of all time yeah i remember you told me that it's a beautiful song this is a man who wrote that right this is a man who wrote an amazing song like i have an obsession with songs about unrequited love Mm -hmm. This is a man who wrote a song called A Silent Partner in a Three-Way Love Affair. Mm. So we were talking yesterday about the setup and the payoff. Right. So in the first verse of that song, it's a setup and the payoff right there. <laughs> and then he gets more pays, payoffs in the song. Right. This is a man who wrote that. And now you have a dude writing a song like Gasms. Gasms I'm right. trying to understand. Where is the connection here? I'm trying to under the connection to Smokey Robinson. Yes. But I'm trying to <laughs> figure out what happened. Because what kind of. Uh, that whole album is something. So you don't listen to the album. You just heard the song. I heard like two or three songs from the album. Okay. So was it As Long As We Have Each Other? I think that's one song. And then Gasms. I, I heard another song. I can't remember the name of right now. Okay. But y'all. Okay. The song just isn't good. It's yeah. not good. You you be listening to it a lot, and it's not good. I listen to it because of the inflections of the games. Oh. That's the only. I only the skip it to that part, like the last minute where he's just really. Oh, good. that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so I keep asking myself, what happened to this man who wrote "Tears of a Cloud"? Yes, that's my favorite Smokey Robinson song. He me. wrote "Baby Come Close." Tracks he wrote, of my tears. Ooh, baby, baby. Tracks of my tears. Ooh, baby, baby. Yeah. And then I remember 
that he wrote in his book. How he was so high he had pus coming out oh, his ass. Oh yeah. When I ask a question, I think about that. Yeah. And this is a part of the book. I think this was in the preface. So this is a part of the book that has implanted in my mind to yeah. this day. I read that book, what, 20 years ago or something? And I remember that to this day. That's awful. This is a man who talked about his struggles with addiction and how he ran out of money and would ask people for money. Mm-hmm. And nobody would give him money, including Stevie Wonder. That was a huge deal. He said, oh, wow. not even Stevie Wonder Dang. would lend me money. Okay. It was a huge deal. <laughs> this is what's implanted in my mind. This is the guy who wrote Gasms. This is the same guy. Same guy. So I kind of look on that trajectory. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, he wrote Ooh Baby Baby. He wrote right. The Love Between Me and My Kids. He wrote I Am, I Am. Right. He wrote all those songs, but then he wrote a book about pus coming out his ass. Ah! And that's the Gasms guy I think of. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. who I think of. I think Gasms. <laughs> Do you remember, what was it, Motown at the Apollo? So it was George Michael, <laughs> and he's singing Careless Whisper. Oh, right? yes, right, he's yeah. Not, and you he know, comes he's up, just right, like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Smokey Robinson that. comes out. You could tell he's on something. Yeah, I remember that. And he's that. walking on stage all stiff, and he's like, time will never. <laughs> I was, when I first saw that, <laughs> I was on the floor. Yeah, Smokey. Like, yo. So then I see that. And I'm like, oh, he wrote a book about this. Mm-hmm. He was just hot all the time. Right. So that's what I think of when I think of Gazzles. This guy. <laughs> well, it, it adds another sheet to his portfolio of kind of like, what's going on, Smokey? <laughs> what's happening? Like, for real. So I, I do want to say the music of... The songs I heard is not bad. The music is not bad. Like I think it's Corey Rooney who wrote the music and produced the album. So, you know, he worked with Michael Jackson. He worked with all kind of people. So the music's not bad. Yeah, the bad. music is good. But I'm a lyrics person. Yeah, the lyrics you know I'm a lyrics right. person. Well, you're not so going to find much in the lyrics. Yeah, that's the first thing that I looked at. Right. I was like, yo, no. <laughs> no. And I made a promise that I wasn't going to knock anybody. Like anybody who's creating anything, right? Taking the time out of their day to create and people connect with it, I can't knock that. Yeah. But I'm making an exception for this because the lyrics are so bad. I I don't even know what to say. <laughs> what there was actually one line <laughs> that he said that was kind of a play. He said something like it's getting harder. So I was just like, okay, uh-huh. why why are you writing this? It was like some pun. Mm-hmm. And then it was another line. He said something like, my eyes both have them. It was, that was my favorite part of the song. I thought that was actually, that was a smokyisms to me. <laughs> like a smokyism came out in that line. But the rest of it, I was like, Smokey. What's up? You wrote, ooh, baby, baby. Why are you writing this? <laughs> yeah. Smokey. Smokey. I don't want to say how the mighty have fallen. I don't want to do all that. <laughs> But this dude wrote Tracks of My Tears. I know. What happened? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, I want to defend Smokey because people who have been talking about the song, I'm critiquing that because there's mad ageism mm-hmm. when it comes to oh, people talking about the sure. song. Yeah. So, <laughs> 
people are like, oh, what? How? What's he doing? Oh, yeah, you know, right, he's right. 80 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smokey Robinson is 82. Like, he's a human. What makes you think he can't get down right, just because exactly. he's 82? Just because he's 82. Absolutely. There's a lot of He's married. He's married. And not to mention that video. Remember that video that came out where he was dancing? Ooh, that's up? not. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, he was just dancing, but he was doing such like dramatic dance moves and he was like, shaking oh. remember that video right okay right <laughs> so when i first saw that <laughs> this is what i'm talking about this is the guy yeah. who was talking about pus coming out his ass that's that guy i know smoky robson doing the sexy dance that's what they yeah. called it right yeah yeah smoky robson doing, doing the sexy dance but he, he was like Look, I'm going. I'm going to my wife after this right. concert. Exactly. I'm doing this for her. I ain't doing this for, <laughs> I ain't doing this for y'all. <laughs> y'all just happen to see. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and he talked about in interviews the reason he named the album "Gasms" and the song titles the way they were because he knew people were going to talk about it. He knew that there was going to be some quote unquote mm-hmm. controversy around it. Right. And so people were like, what's Smokey? What's Smokey doing? He need Viagra. What's going on? He 82. He get down <laughs> like that. It's like, why wouldn't he? Why yeah, wouldn't he? There are a lot of folks that age. There's a lot of down. folks. And if I you actually, have the health, if you got the, you know, stability, I mean, he's a human. Exactly. People out here acting like elders have no kind of value right and they just sitting over in the corner watching in a rocking TV. chair rocking, watching yeah, tv that's yelling at true. the ceiling or something let me tell you that's not but true. i actually wanted to read a report <laughs> because y'all this was from 2020 but i saw some reports as late as 2021 okay so it's talking about stis and this is from forbes Gee whiz. So yeah, so it's historic high rates of STIs among older Americans. Oh my I mean, goodness. it could be the whole world. I don't right. know. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But it's talking about the Centers for Disease Control's annual sexually transmitted disease surveillance report. So it talked about more than 115,000, 115,000 syphilis. syphilis cases documented and the number of primary and secondary syphilis cases increasing by 14 percent gonorrhea increased five percent to more than 580 cases also it's the highest number reported since 1991 chlamydia so people are out here itching and burning and on and expelling all kind of things plus Smokey Robinson. Right, Smokey Robinson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I said that. Yeah. Says chlamydia increased 3% to more than 1.7 million cases. According to the study, Washington, D.C., New York, and Maryland saw the highest instance of STIs amongst populations 55 and older, with an average STI rate per 100,000 at 881.8. Two, three, six point two, and one seven two point seven, respectively. While Montana, Wyoming, and North Dakota had the lowest instance of mm. STIs among people aged fifty-five and older at twenty, seventeen point eight, and fourteen point nine per one hundred thousand, respectively. They actually saw the highest percentage increases in STI contraction between 2008 and 2017, with Montana having a 251.1% increase. Wyoming 
had a 239.7 increase and North Dakota had a 224.6 increase. So one of the things the article talks about is because people go through menopause and people don't have to worry about pregnancy and andropause. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people stop using condoms or they stop uh, <clears throat> figuring out what measures of protection they can use. It talks about HIV contraction in uh, older populations. Uh, this is 2017, uh, nearly 39,000 people were newly diagnosed and about 17% of them were 50 or older. So. Wow. Our elders be getting down. Yeah, they're getting down. My only wish for the elders is that uh, they Protect practice themselves. safety. Yeah. And they practice consent. Those are the only two things I'm asking of our elders. Yes. Please use protection. Stop getting these STIs out here. Get down all you want, but protect yourselves. That's the, the <laughs> that's, that's the, the message of the day. Yeah. <laughs> like, y'all, stop acting like. <laughs> People over 50 don't get down. They do, absolutely. Like, why y'all making fun of Smokey Robinson for making these records? <laughs> Talk about how bad the lyrics are, not the fact that he gets down, okay? That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Word on that. And we had Don Lemon. Don Lemon, who's 56 years old, by the way. So he's sitting here talking about, quote, a woman in their prime is in their 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. This oh, I remember Don that Lemon quote. Said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you something. As a woman who's almost 50 and is an amputee, I guess I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life because <laughs> I just have no value, according to Don Lemon. You leave it to Don. That's and according to a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, women have value and they're attractive only when they're in their 20s and maybe 30s. And then once you hit 40, oh no. So. Yeah, I guess I just just throw me away and put me in the corner because the obsession with youth is really gross. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You have a ton of value as a person in your thirties until you turn eighty-two. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just saying. Yeah. You have so much more value. <laughs> I just don't. It's for reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Don Lemon, according, according to, Don to Lemon, yeah. a lot of these other, lot people of other people out here. Yeah. So, you know, you you be, you best to go get you some. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Insane. Go go get go get all the women's me in the music video. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want to congratulate Smokey Robinson for getting down <laughs> and having a great time with his wife or right. You know, maybe they're in a poly relationship. I don't Who know. Who knows. But hopefully everything's consensual. But I wrote a little song. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. So okay. it, in honor of Smokey Robinson getting down, it's not cruising. <clears throat> but I wrote a song. Oh. I need curious. a beat, though. I need a beat. I don't know. Give me a beat. No, a little slower. Just like. Okay. That's good. <clears throat> I gasms. <laughs> I roll back and blink, but it's hard to think when my brain has them. And I get that tingle when your words mingle with mine, our hearts intertwine. <laughs> As you lay next to me, your words flowing free in my ear, gasms. 
my eardrums they shake my body it aches but it's good that i could reach this height it ain't light it's some heavy it's deep i don't want to sleep with these gasms gasms <laughs> gasms yeah <laughs> that's how you write a song smoky that's dope <laughs> I said Mitch and Jamila is the best at making lyrics very fast. No. Improvising. <laughs> How long it took you to wrote that? <laughs> Man, probably like five, ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's encouraging. Sounded like it's, yeah. You know, I want to I wanna send that out to Smokey as right. he's getting down, you know. Just <laughs> hope you like my song, Smokey. Yeah, Smokey. <laughs> but you know what inspired me to write that? What? ASMR. Really? Yeah. What aspect of ASMR? Just like ASMR is like brain orgasms. Oh, that's, that's nice. I it. like that. Yeah. And so, that's true. And I'm in this is coming from an ASMR head. Right. Like, so I have I ASMR too. Okay. So so I did I wrote I wrote a reference to it. All right. The, you know, tingles or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> But I, I don't know if we talked about ASMR in the podcast. I don't think I don't, so. Maybe have for those who don't know, ASMR stands for autonomous, autonomous sensory, sensory meridian, meridian response. response. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> but it's also called uh, attention induced euphoria or AIE or attention induced head orgasm or AIHO. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so what sort of things give you the tingles or the brain orgasms or um, whatever? Crinkly paper. It could be gloves. It can be anything like from a box. Yeah, like really? fresh paper, mostly crinkly paper, oh. um, a plastic bag. Uh, yeah, gloves. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting brief bouts of ASMR here and there. Um, but usually things that are done to me personally too, like when I would get my hair done. Um, so like when they put the, uh, what is it? The little blanket around your, your chest, <laughs> not so much of the, the bubbly whispery stuff, but like sounds, delicate sounds, like everyday sounds that you wouldn't think about until you hear them. Is that give you brain tingle? ASMR. So the thing that gives me ASMR is when I see people in the corner of my eye having conversation. Okay. So that's one thing. Sometimes podcasts do. Sometimes things, I'll have things on while I'm doing something else and I'll get ASMR. The thing that gives me the biggest ASMR is if I have something and someone wants to borrow it and I know they're using it and especially if I see them using it. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So those are things like all all the crumbling paper and that yeah. doesn't do anything for me. That actually kind of irritates me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's just noise. Uh, the other thing, sometimes seeing people do hair, but it depends mm -hmm. on yeah, what hair they're for sure. doing. Right. And occasionally, but not always, if someone's sort of doing something to my hair. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, definitely if my hair is being twisted, that's totally a smart right there. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. The sound of the hair and the fingers going against it. So, I twisted yeah. your hair that gave you ASMR? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's like the total, that's a part of self-care for me, quote unquote, is just like getting my hair done and just like closing my eyes and feeling it and hearing it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> 
Okay. It's funny because I've been into ASMR since like 2014. And I discovered it by a friend of mine named Javen. And she was like, have you heard of ASMR? I think you would like it. And I was like, no. And this was fairly new. And I remember just watching it. And it was like literally changed my life. I remember just like having my headphones in, listening to the sounds. And I believe it was a hair, uh, hair being washed, one of the videos I saw. And it was like oh, the sound of like them putting the shampoo in their hands and putting it on the hair and like all of that. It was like. This is what I felt like also when I would get my hair cut because the barber would put the, um, um, what is it, like the, the sheet around you and just the sound of that and the, the clippers, the sound of the clippers being turned on, all of that stuff. I, I was like, I love that. I, I love the sound of like sounds. Huh. Yeah. Wow. So do you think that brain orgasms <laughs> is something that's an accurate description? It can. I mean, I've definitely had what feels euphoric. Like, I mean, I never really decided, uh, thought of calling them like an orgasm, but um, it is like a brain gasm in a sense where it feels like a release into relaxation of some kind, mm -hmm. where it feels like I'm experiencing something that's calming me down and it and it's something that I enjoy to hear mm -hmm. and see. Because it's like you said, sometimes I can see different things and get like an ASMR feeling. More so of like people doing things they like to do or engage in conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that it's something people seek out, like people seek out the all-encompassing sex? That's interesting. I'm not sure if they seek it out or if it's just like once they experience it, they realize that it's a part of like something they enjoy. I know now, like really thinking about, I mean, I've attempted to do some ASMR. I, I make some ASMR, I guess, but it's so different. Like now in the ASMR community has expanded where there's so many different types of ASMR. Like there's unintentional ASMR where people are not trying to whisper or trying to make the sounds, but like just by having conversation and, mm -hmm. you know, it, it comes naturally like that where it's not like a thing you're building per se. But mm -hmm. I like all types of ASMR, like, I don't. <laughs> yeah, but it, but I have my preferences of those I prefer the most. Yeah, like people doing this thing. No, I don't like the like and... the tapping. I don't like tapping. I don't like like the mouth sounds. I don't like eating sounds. Wait, you just said you like all kinds of ASMR. Well, I mean like <laughs> unintentional yeah. sounds, like ones that are the different styles of ASMR. But all ASMR maybe is not a good way to say it because yeah, there's some stuff I don't like. Like it's that thing where yeah. People go, what kind of music you like? You're like, I like all kinds. Right, and then it's like, you're country? like, do you like death metal? <laughs> death metal? No. Right. No. Well, you don't like all kinds, right. do you? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't like all kinds. I I, I don't like, yeah, I don't like crumpled paper. Like, yeah, it's usually people having conversations and doing tasks of mm -hmm. some sort. Yeah. That's what gets me. I'm, I'm sure there are people who seek it out though oh for sure yeah and i don't it, it's that thing where yeah you might have had it since you were a kid but couldn't put any words to it and you didn't that's know right right other people who experienced it as well yeah that's what it was like when i discovered it. i was like oh other people feel the same thing like <laughs> that feeling you get where it's like you're relaxed and it and entrances you in that moment so mm -hmm. yeah it's it's amazing to see where the asmr community has gone since when I first discovered it in 2014, it's like, it's a thing now. So many people resonate with different aspects of relaction. So you have a very nice ASMR voice. Thank you. 
I've been told that. Like, oh, you could do ASMR, but it's like, oh. <laughs> you do too. I d- you no, absolutely do. I, no, no. Thank you, but no, I don't. I don't. You're All so right. nice. <laughs> I'm being honest. I get ASMR from your voice is what I'm saying. You might not think you have ASMR. Yeah, like when you're describing something, especially if you're more so like when you're describing something in detail that you're passionate about. So whether it's something political or like St. Anger, like when you, you go. You get ASMR from me talking about St. Anger? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I'm screaming <It's>... about it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. ASMR doesn't just have to be. That's what I'm saying. ASMR has been, re- you know, sort of like designated to just like this quiet thing. But no, ASMR could just be, for me, it's also like the passion that comes with whatever is mm-hmm. being said too. Mm-hmm. And like, again, like when you're talking about something that means something to you, it's not just the same or I use that as an example, but that's, it's not just that. It's just like, if you're talking about something that you're really invested in. Wow. Cats. Cause it's clear like cats. Yeah. Like cats, <laughs> <laughs> tattoos. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then when I, you know, I have tattoos on my hands. <laughs> right did you get ASMR no because you're whispering (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness wow yeah I was not aware of that wow huh yeah ASMR it's and then, of course, there's the foreparent, if you will, of ASMR, Bob Ross. Oh, correct. Yeah. yeah. I don't get See, ASMR. I didn't get ASMR from Bob yeah, Ross. I don't either. Mr. Rogers, though. You get ASMR from yes, Mr. Rogers. Yes, absolutely. Particularly when he's taking off his cardigan, putting on his shoes. Because, huh. again, that's a sound type thing. So, like, all the time when he would talk, and then, he, you know, you hear the zipper, and then you, you hear the sound of him putting it on the hanger, closing the closet. Like, it's specific actionable things with sound that i i'm like yeah i like that wow yeah but bob ross i never really got asmr from him i know a lot of folks do but i mean i see how people do but right again the paintbrush against the canvas that does not give me asmr yeah. right that's a little too harsh for me but i do like sounds like that but yeah, yeah the sound of him brushing against the ease i mean the um the board is not right i don't yeah. really get it yeah <laughs> So do you think there are, I know there's an ASMR community. I honestly don't know that much about it. But do you think there are ASMR clubs similar to sex clubs? Where people that just would be go interesting. in these rooms <laughs> and just I've never give each really... other ASMR? There should be that. I don't know if there is. It's but... like, how you doing? I mean, I've never thought of that. That would be cool. If Would you like to ASMR today? Right. Yeah. I would definitely be down to go I'm like really big. Like I love ASMR. I found a video recently and I showed you this guy, but he recently made a video. It's like, I've been going back to it every night pretty much. It's like my favorite ASMR video. Shout out to ASMR power of sound. He has a video where he's, it's a dangerous, uh, how do you say? Like, um, dandruff, uh, lice role play where he's like, Oh head. no, 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 no. <laughs> but the sounds Absolutely. of the no. But it's his voice, no. the sounds of the no. gloves. It's you have like, fun oh. with that. 
No. It's so, uh, no. it's perfect ASMR. No. You know what gives me really big ASMR? Um, astrology channels. Oh, interesting. I just listen to them. Like, I don't necessarily. Okay. Right. Just like, talking oh, this, about the this, different. This is so accurate for everything. I just like listening to them because they give me major ASMR. Okay. I can see that. I yeah, but that, that whole dandruff. No, no. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, that's more action sound. Yeah, I, I'm not into that. You you have fun with that, my friend. Cause <laughs> I have been for the last good. two weeks. Been listening to that video. You go have your brain orgasms. Cause <laughs> <Brain> <laughs> exactly. Did he say brain gasms? I hope he did. I think he did say that. So I know he, he said eye gasms. I know he said that. Yeah. So he's talking about ASMR, and he didn't even know it. Exactly. <laughs> Smokey didn't even know it's Smokey. Yeah, you you had a big opportunity to talk about ASMR in your Word. song. Come on. <laughs> you had a huge chance to rep the ASMR community and you missed that chance. And I mean, Smokey has a voice that some would probably even consider ASMR. Yeah. You know, I think because so. it's very soft and very like, I don't know. I, I would say he has an ASMR voice in a way. I don't get it, but I get how people would. <laughs> right. You know who has the ultimate ASMR voice to me? Who? Whitney Houston. But that's what? Because she pronounced every word. Okay. When she like mostly her interviews, uh-huh. you listen to her talk. You know her pronunciation. It's like every word is pronounced. Yeah. And I get ASMR from that. Really? Yeah. I want to see the receipts. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Where is it, wow. Diane? <laughs> really? Whitney yes. is interesting. Yes. Yeah, I don't get ASMR from her, but that's that's fascinating. Yeah. I want to do interviews with people with ASMR. Because how, how does it develop? I've just read things on it, and it's still obviously in the midst of being researched. Yeah. But why do some people have it and others don't? What exactly is in the brain that connects with that part of someone? Yeah. Is it genetic? Is it like, what is it? Yeah, it'll be fascinating to read and to study because I'm not sure what it is really. But it's like when you listen to it, it's like, oh. And I think a lot of people may not even have a word for it. It's just like, this is relaxing, but Mm -hmm. it goes into that ASMR category. Yeah. And you, you, it's a really great space to be in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know if brain orgasms. <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate. Maybe it is. I don't know. I mean, on some level, I like that correlation. But I, maybe it's. I think on some other level, it's maybe not that. It's just a form of like. Release. Release. Well, it's not even a release. It though. can be a release. It's almost like. If someone is is massaging you but doing it indirectly like if they're if someone if a massage could be had without a touch you know that's kind of what it's like for me (laughs) (laughs) i'm massaging you with my eyes right right. yeah Yeah, like an aura being exuded or something (laughs) well it's like reiki though because that's yeah right that's a good example yeah and i see a lot of there's a lot of reiki asmr too Really? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. you know I'm more about this world than I do. Right. I'm telling you. I could say I've been into this. <laughs> I mean, I I'm, am too, but this is like the this is becoming a Stevie Wonder episode. <laughs> because you are <laughs> we both have ASMR, but you're a fanboy. I'm a fanboy, yeah. 
Wow. I would say that, yeah. I didn't realize it until I was like, mm, my, like my, you know how you have a lot of folders on YouTube? Like the most videos of my folder is an ASMR folder. Like so many ASMR. Wow. Yeah. Okay. We got to talk more about this off mic because I'm finding out about a lot of stuff. Yeah. This is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to get on with this episode asking the question of when is it okay to critique someone? So obviously we just critique someone who's still physically here mm-hmm. and kind of flowers a little bit. Not absolutely, totally, but you know, give, give, give him his flowers, give Smokey his flowers. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you got them. But this episode was inspired by the physical transition of Tina Turner. And this is really interesting because I think Tina Turner's contribution to the arts is to be commended. She has inspired a lot of people. Absolutely. She is a person who is a survivor. Yes. Both you and I are also survivors. For sure. So that story her narrative, the trajectory of her life is incredibly inspiring to many. It's a fascinating story. Yes. They even made a movie about yes. a massive aspect of her life. What's love got to do with it? There you go. However, <laughs> we must acknowledge that Tina Turner has had some problematic things that have occurred in her life. And to ignore that, is something we must not do. No. So people tried to evade this aspect of her life when she was here. And now, of course, they're wanting to do it even more now that she's gone. So the question is, when is it a good time to critique someone? Just because you critique someone, it doesn't mean... It's not taking away anything. Right. It doesn't mean you're saying they're a horrible person. And so we're conditioned to have this thing called dichotomy. So if you critique something, that means they're automatically bad. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about is dialectics here, (laughs) positive and negative aspects to a person, place, or thing. Yes. Tina Turner was not perfect, nor is anyone perfect. So she is not immune from critique. And to say that she is will take away her humanity. She is not a saint. Not at all. So we can't just not critique someone because they survived abuse. We can't not critique someone because they physically left this earth. That would mean I can't critique so-called Queen Elizabeth. Right. Because she left this earth, even though she had a hand in uh, racist, white supremacist, imperialist practices. Are we not supposed to bring attention to that just because she's gone? The current. Decorum and decency. It's not nice to speak ill of the dead. Why do you sound like Eddie Murphy? <laughs> you, you and your, you and your impressions. <laughs> yeah, but I feel what you're saying because I think it goes to that decorum. Like, oh, well, you don't say anything about the dead. But to your point, and to what I would say is, anytime you see something that just scratches your ear wrong, you should say something about it. Like, why wait? And then perhaps by the conversation being open change can be had it's not to say that the person will change but you know by you not saying anything about it it just gives license to that idea to just 
sprout and no one challenges it as this like oh well that's just what she thinks it's like thoughts can be led back to an ideology and i mean mm -hmm. we can't act like those thoughts don't have harmful effects so that we know other people with those same thoughts that are just going around willy-nilly spreading those thoughts like oh it's just my opinion or it's like right and we have to understand what ideology is it's a set of ideas that shape our thoughts and actions. So to say, I don't have an ideology, that's not true <laughs> because we all do. And we may disagree on what the ideology is, but we all have one because we hold a set of ideas that shape our thoughts and actions. Right. Whatever that ideology is for you, that's what it is. So Tina Turner held a particular ideology, which in my view was highly problematic. So we're going to play some audio <laughs> and then we're going to talk about it. Yes. We know we came like from Africa and sort of our attitudes and our way of life sort of esteems from the African way. And they, I think like this sort of, uh, well, I, I'm only speaking now like from something I haven't really looked into, but I get that um, Africans are sort of very lazy people. They're not very aggressive. You know, they just sort of want to live off the land and, and live very comfortable, which is great. If you can do that, you know, if you're in a position to be able to do that. But I, um, I felt that they enjoyed our performance there. But I just, I have to be inspired by something when I, like when I go to Europe, I enjoy it because the people there are very fashionable and you can, it's just fun. I mean, all we do is work. We go, we check in a hotel and we go on stage and we go to the airport. So you have to feel some kind of inspiration from a city, right? So when I, when I go like to Africa, I'm very down because like the, the food is, isn't good. Um, I don't get any really good, fantastic vibes from the people, so I'm just really bored. All right. So you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts? So I remember when I first watched that clip, and I was just... So I should also mention, before I go on, like, my introduction to Tina Turner was through the film, What's Love Got to Do With? do with it i had no idea remember i come from the church i ain't listened to no yeah so i didn't know much of tina turner angela bass's performance was my intro to her life and i remember just being fascinated by it mainly because of her conversion to buddhism mm -hmm. like i was like oh that's interesting like she yeah she practiced in sharon buddhism if i'm not mistaken right yes yeah. and so then i watched this clip i was like <laughs> i'm gonna just tell you what i first thought when i first heard it, i was like well, those blonde wigs make a lot of sense. Like, oh, she, dang. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Not that anything's wrong with blonde wigs, but I was like, I was just like, wow, she really thinks that? And it didn't make any sense. It still doesn't make sense when I listen to it because she's giving generalizations without any historical correlations that are actually truthful. It's like these are all ideas that are racist that don't stem from any truth. It just stems from like, this propaganda about Africans being lazy and not wanting to work. It just sounded like she was regurgitating what she heard. And it made me just really, it turned me off mm -hmm. completely. Again, I didn't really listen to her music like that, but I know when I watched that interview, I was like, why would I, I couldn't in my conscious mind divorce that from her art. Like I just felt like, well, she's doing this, with the same ideas against African people. So I, it just made me, and even when I listen to that, it's like, and she's never gone back to really address this either in the future. She's never said anything to 
explain or correct or add any clarity to it. So mm-hmm. it just left me with a bad taste and it makes me feel like she doesn't know what she's talking about. And it's unfortunate that a lot of folks glance this over mm-hmm. and don't even acknowledge it as it's something she clearly believed. So it's just like, it gives me a bad taste. It's like, what are you talking about? What are you, and to be so, to make the contrast to Europe, you know what I want to say? <laughs> so yeah, I, I was thinking about this. So in a lot of ways, cause Tina Turner lived in Europe. She lived in Switzerland. She's in Switzerland. Right? Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, she is the first Sananda Matria. In a... <laughs> okay, let's talk about... I know right. we had an episode, but yeah. let's go back to that in case people haven't heard it. So right. what do you mean by that? So Sananda used to live in America. He moved to Italy in the like early 2000s. But his reason to moving to Italy was just being in love with Europe. And he felt like Europe was much more accepting than America. He never felt like... He was identified with American, quote unquote. Homeboy, I don't identify with America. Right. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> okay, so what's the problem? The we glamorous- agree on that, Sananda. But the glamorization of Europe, like the way he perceives Europe, I feel like is a lot of ways, in a lot of ways is how Tina perceived Europe. Like as this haven for artists, and there's definitely historical correlations as to why, you know, other folks have come to Europe and feel like seen. But I lived in Europe and Europe is one of the most depressing places I've lived in my life in Sweden, like depressing. Mm-hmm. Save all of the people. To, oh, there's socialism in Europe. Like, no, the social programs in Europe, like the healthcare and the school and everything doesn't account for like the the weight on Europe's shoulders because of their direct relationship with colonialism and just how they exist. They exist because of imperialism, essentially. So the attitude that I had being in Europe was that I was this magical Negro because I was from America and they assumed that I was into rap, I was a basketball player, I was all these things, which I wasn't. (laughs) But they're like, oh, you from America, you from, and I'm like, no, I'm not into that. But they had this perception of me as being like all the stereotypical images that are shown. And so, but just seeing how they relate to the world and their struggles, because they're depressed because even though they have quote unquote, all this free stuff, they have to work. They're taxed like crazy. And, and they don't have, they're modeling America. A lot of the times, like Sweden at least was modeling what they presume to be the best of America, but racism is still there. I mean, it's not like, so when people say, oh, it's just so much better in Europe, it's like, who are you talking to? Depending on your, like, are you, uh, Tina Turner was obviously very rich, so I'm sure she had it much better. But for folks who are just living there, like, ask the people who have to go to Europe from Somalia what it's like to go to school there with a bunch of Europeans and being called all kind of names. So I don't think it's a fair thing for people to use Europe as a better form of living because there are circumstances to make that right. It's not the case for everybody. So... Yeah, I was depressed and I and, and, and depression was around me. I felt it was like I never and, you know, I struggle with seasonal depression. Mm-hmm. But like when I was in Europe, I was depressed the whole time. Oh, so you were like me. OK. Yeah, I was. Great. I was you. Yeah. <laughs> we would talk. I remember talking yeah. with you when I was in Europe, you know, yeah. cleaning schools. I used to work there. And we would be talking. I would tell you how it was. Right. So you remember I was just like, I got to get out of here. Like, so. <laughs> 
yeah that's that's my experience wow so of course uh, i knew tina turner from ike and tina and there were the ikets and of course there was the 70s she had a, a interesting period in music and then she was in the film musical tommy and then she had uh, what's love got to do with it private dancer that album right. yeah and then she had songs like i don't want to fight no more uh, you know all, all kinds of songs like that and her performances you know people talked about her legs and how much energy she had all, all kinds of things I was not aware of this version of Tina Turner until the YouTube era, mm. of course. <laughs> <laughs> so when I first saw it, I don't remember when I first saw it, but it was many years ago. And I thought, ooh, ouch. <laughs> so that was the first thing I said was, ouch, really? Ouch, yeah. And it's interesting because Ike and Tina, the Ike and Tina review, I don't know if you've seen Soul to Soul. The band Soul to Soul? No, 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 no. So okay. it's a documentary called Soul to Soul. All right, no. So it, it. it's like Woodstock and all these other movies, except it's in Ghana. So it's in the the, the Black Star Arena. Okay. And so Roberta Flack, I think Santana was part of it. I actually had the soundtrack on vinyl. I It's one of those ones that got left behind when I moved. I, I have a bunch of records missing, <laughs> by the way. I'm not happy about that. But <laughs> so they came out first. And one of the lyrics, and Ike Turner wrote the lyrics, and so how she intros that, that's what the song talks about. Like, this is where we all came from, mm. um, the rhythms of Turn You On, to back in our native homeland. I'm like, oh, that wow. lyric's kind of weird. But <laughs> so it's acknowledging this is where we as African people come from. I will give Tina Turner credit. She acknowledges this. Mm -hmm. She acknowledges that she's African. Right. It's the rest of it that's problematic. <laughs> so these white supremacist talking points, I'm yeah. just like, we got to address that. <laughs> Miss Tina. Yes. Her book, I, Tina. All right, I, Tina. I, Tina, we have to address that, okay? So, <laughs> man. So before we get into that, I did want to talk about the other thing that went in my mind when I first heard it because I grew up in this environment. I grew mm -hmm. up with... Two parents who I would say were self-hating. I think my mother got a little better, mm -hmm. but I grew up around this sort of language, right. not this extreme that like Europe is progressive. I, I didn't hear all that, but I did hear the whole Negroes is lazy. Okay. And, you know, I did right. hear some of that. Right. And sort of dehumanizing African folks. I did hear that growing up. Even though we had books like Black Skin, White Mask and all that around, mm -hmm. I didn't see anybody reading those books. They were just around. Aesthetics. <laughs> so I don't know if it was even aesthetics. I have no idea. Right. But it's just fascinating to see these two people I grew up around and me going in the way opposite Absolutely. direction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up with having bleach and cream put on me, me and my sister. Wow. So this is the environment I grew up around. Mm -hmm. I grew up hearing that my features were ugly, my hair was ugly, all that kind of stuff. Wow. So this might be a similar environment to what Tina Turner grew up in mm -hmm. too. Sure. So I can't totally fault her because African people 
have grown up in that environment. Absolutely. Yeah. And she grew up before there was a mass African awareness movement. Mm-hmm. So there were tinges of it with Ike Turner and the music he made, because he made a couple of records that were just like black power. Like he made a couple of those records. And so I think obviously a lot of that stuff with Soul to Soul was coming from Mike Turner. Sure, right. But I'm sure she grew up in an environment where she was told, hey, you know, you're not pretty. You're not. Oh, yeah. So sure. I, I get that. But we have to decolonize ourselves. And she clearly didn't do that. <laughs> she, no. she swam way deep into the no. colonization pool. Yeah. I'm sick. What? <laughs> <laughs> So the interesting thing is my sister went through this I hate white people and I hate queer people period. Fortunately, she grew out of it. But I went through uh, I just don't like people period. I was a misanthrope. I was just really negative about that. Obviously, I grew out of that. I like people. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We had a debate about voting one day and so me i was a burgeoning socialist <laughs> and my sister just hated white people all right and she didn't care about she was just like i hate white people and so me and her were having this exchange and she was just like i'm just gonna vote for black people and i said well all kind of regardless of ethnicity all kind of people are evil right. like why would you want to vote for anybody based on their ethnicity yeah so that's just, I still feel that way. But that's, that's the, the trajectory point. I was going. But she was like, right. I'm going to vote for a black. I'm like, have you heard of Jesse Jackson? Right. <laughs> have you heard of Herman Cain? Right, like, yeah. Dan Carson? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and in the midst of this, our mother was there. Oh. And she said, I trust white people more than anything. So despite whatever differences me and my sister had, we both did a double take and looked at her jaws just open. So this is what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. And my mother and stepfather used to fight religiously. Just knock out, drag out fights. So I also grew up with that. In the midst of one of their fights, my stepfather apparently said, my white people. I grew up with two self-hating parents and he said, my white people, this is what I grew up around. So, you know, growing up around that and developing an ideology I hold today and doing the type of organizing I do today, I think that's a survival story in and of itself because not a lot of people can come out of that in a way that's healthy. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> like th- you have to do a lot of decolonization work and that's work that happens every single day. Right. And we all have to do it, especially we were born into a society like this. So if somebody's not speaking the particular type of quote unquote English mm-hmm. that we were trained to talk, right. like, oh, you're not, oh man, oh, I right, can't. Exactly. You know, those kind of things we really have to look at and question ourselves and ask, you know, why do I hold these views? Right. So let's dissect what Tina Turner was saying. Cause <laughs> you know, me again, going towards the trajectory of doing organizing and anti-capitalism work and anti-imperialism work. 
And then someone like my sister who, you know, I don't know what she's doing now, but took a more reactionary trajectory. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a response to growing up in that environment. So I don't know, but (laughs) dissecting what Miss Tina said, okay. So yes, I commend the fact that she acknowledged that she's African. Right. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, let's give her something. Right. She did say that. <laughs> Our people. So I think that's cool. Yeah. I will give mm. you that all day, Miss Tina. Right. So thank you Please for acknowledging you know. that. <laughs> yes, that's more than Sananda. So. <laughs> okay, explain that one. Sananda does not identify with Africa. He said that the most African he is is his people were the Berber people from North Africa. But he doesn't, He his quote is, I quote, I don't, identify much with Africa besides the Berbers. <laughs> Isn't his mother Trini? Yes. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you <laughs> he does not come from the Berber people. Right, I know. He does not come from the Turig people. Mm-hmm. No. no. Stop. Don't do that. Just stop. Don't do that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So shout out to Tina for releasing <laughs> She's African. <laughs> See, she said we came from Africa mm-hmm. and she talked that the way of life esteemed from the African way. So she is acknowledging, I think even how she sings, just a lot yes. of the things that Ike and Tina did. And I'm not sure if she's referring to when she was in Ghana mm-hmm. with Ike Turner. I don't know if that's her singular reference to what she's about to say and what we're going to dissect. Or is she talking about other times she's been in Africa? I don't know. But again, I will give her credit for acknowledging that she's African at the very least. So I can't stand right now. I have one leg, but standing (laughs) ovation for that. (laughs) But then she says, and I will give her credit for this too, because a lot of people, even though they have no idea what they're talking about. They're confident about it. They're confident and they use declarative statements with little to no valid information absolutely so i will give her credit for this too because she prefaced it with she's speaking on something she hasn't looked into why is she speaking about this i don't know know. but at least she acknowledged (laughs) yeah i don't really know a lot about it right that's so she's saying this is my perception this is not the absolute truth i think that says a lot to say something like that definitely so i will give her credit for that absolutely It takes a lot to acknowledge that. It does. It does. (laughs) But then she goes into white supremacists and colonialist talking points from this point on. And I'm just like, woman, (laughs) what what are you talking about? Africa has lazy people, (laughs) not progressive. Yeah. Where do you think the non-progressivism comes from? Don't you think that comes from colonialism? Like we could talk about all the anti-queer laws happening in Uganda right now, where do you think that comes from? Right. Uganda had a king that was bisexual. Right. This is a historic fact. Like to say that they don't have a history with the reality of bi, gay, you know, all kind of expressions of gender is, is insane. (laughs) So where do you think that lack of progressivism came from Tina Turner? Colonialism. (laughs) There it is. So to say that African people, and she's making a gross generalization. Africa at this point has 54 countries. She said Africa. Africa. 
as if it's like one country. One country. People still out here saying Africa's a country. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Right. So she's talking about it as if it's one place. One place. Based on her minimal experience. Again, she says she hasn't looked into it. I want to keep giving her credit for that. If I can give her any. However, saying, and she's contradicting herself on many levels as well. She says, African people are lazy, they're not progressive, and they live off the land. Right. What is wrong? You know how many Europeans live off the land? <laughs> these militia people right. and all these people? Yeah. They What's wrong with living the off the land? Yeah. Are you, you know how much work it takes to live off the land? Here's this lady who probably at that point had millions of dollars. I mean, at least like she's probably at least made six figures at that. Oh, point. yeah. They, at least at five least, figures. At least she was. Definitely but I guarantee you she's at, at some point in her, like she was making six, seven figures. Oh, sure. Who is she to talk about African people being lazy by living off the land? Exactly. She has handlers. Right. She has drivers, maids and butlers maids. and drivers yeah. and chefs. Tailors. like she... A wig maker. And right. she's saying that people who live off the land who are African or lazy make that make sense to me. I, can we bring her back up and ask her? Because <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Living off the land is not something lazy people do land. at all. Right. Do you know how much work it is to tend a garden? You think living off the land is easy? What's, yeah, it, what's wrong is, with you? <laughs> no point. What is wrong with you, lady? <laughs> very, And then she says, very comfortable. So here is a person who lives, essentially, for all intents and purposes, I'm not talking about emotionally or whatever, but again, handlers, managers, right. chefs, right. drivers, <laughs> Is that not comfortable? That's very comfortable. She's not having to do that. She's not like, oh, let me take a taxi to the venue. Let me figure out what I'm aware. Let me like that's being done by workers. So I ask again, if we can bring you from somewhere. How is living off the land lazy, lazy. and more comfortable than you? Right. How you were living. I just want to ask that question. She also says. She felt that people enjoy it. She's talking about African people. My guess is that she's referring to Ghana. I don't know. I'm I my reference point is when she played in Ghana with mm -hmm. Ike Turner. All right. That's my only reference point. Where she's singing soul to soul. That's my only reference point right now. But she she felt that African people enjoyed the show. However, she was not inspired in Africa. She needs to be inspired by something. So she goes to Europe. <laughs> she performs in Europe and feels so inspired because people are fashionable. It's fun because all we do is work. So I just want to have fun. So you literally just said people living off the land are lazy and that's not work. Right. So this is that white supremacist capitalist talking point. That if you do not have a particular type of job, you are lazy. Mm -hmm. If you live off the land, that's just lazy. If you don't get a nine to five, that's just lazy. Right. Some people might say Tina Turner's not working. Right. Yeah. Because you're just a singer. <laughs> All you do is sing. That's not real work. Go get a real job. Right. 
Somebody could say the same thing to her. But she said African people are lazy. Are lazy. What in the white supremacist <laughs> mess is that? What in the white supremacist? What in mess? the white supremacist hell is that, Tina Turner? Can I want to bring her Tina Turner. Right, Tina Turner. Okay. What is uh, it? No, I'm not trying to conjure right. nobody I'm up. Not, no, no. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. I need questions asked. I, somebody knew, who knew her that had this conversation. Can, uh, please, please, if you're listening, I want to know what Tina Turner meant by this because I have questions. And I've had questions ever since I saw this. <laughs> she performs in Europe and is inspired in Europe because people are fashionable. Do you know how fashionable African people are? Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? Kidding? What is she talking about? She goes to Africa and is down because the food isn't because good. Because the food ain't good. Have you had peanut soup? Have you had <laughs> <laughs> like cassava leaf? Like, huh? What food what is she are you talking eating? about? Like you, the, again, these are gross Boiled cabbage? I don't know. I don't know what they eat in your... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they eat in Europe. The food. She but was just she like picking that stuff. Okay. And she doesn't get fantastic vibes from the, the, people. the people. So this is the other thing. And yet when African people in the diaspora are like, Africans don't like us. It's that same thing too. Mm -hmm. African people don't like us. They don't want us here. When you got people being like, come here. Right. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure... Like this is all over the place. Yeah, this it's like she was all just over the place. Picking at things that she heard and repeating it. I don't know if it's stuff she heard. I think a lot of this is perception based on her singular experience hmm. or few experiences she had. She's also a person that is on tour, so she's not going to necessarily engage with the people in the same way. Yes. She's right. also not clearly not invested in engaging with people in the same way she's interested in investing her time and energy communicating with Europeans. That's very clear. Yeah. So very clear. She went to live in Switzerland and got married, you know, whatever. I'm not even knocking her for that. Like you go marry who you love, but there's people in all sort of interracial relationships who don't say yeah, stuff who like don't, this. That's my point. So this right. has nothing to do with no interracial relationship. Exactly. Because I can point to people who are in interracial <laughs> relationships who are doing anti-racist work. Right, yeah. Who are doing anti-colonial work. Yes. So that has nothing to do with it. So I don't want to hear nobody be like, you just, no, <laughs> no, no. Nothing this has that. nothing to do with her marrying European. It has everything to do with her having a colonial framework. Right. I don't know if this is based on her experience with Ike. Some people have attributed it to that. Like, a lot of well, she got that. beat up by yeah. Ike, so she just I, hates all I've black men. I've heard that so many times. I, I don't really buy but, that, though. I, and this is, I'm telling you, this is why I don't buy it. Because I was also in an abusive relationship with an African man who was also self-hating. Mm -hmm. He All he would do is talk about white women. He's with me. And all he did was talk about how white women were better. Oh, wow. So I don't want to hear no, none of that. It's, it's what your ideology is and what your perceptions are. It has nothing to do with who you're with. Yes, for some people, they're influenced by that. Mm -hmm. But 
you can't generalize like that. Everybody. Yeah, no. You can't. All. Don't don't ever generalize like that. Because uh, I, I had two parents. I talked about this early. I had two parents. They were both African. Self-hating is all mm-hmm. get out. So this has nothing to do with who you with or whatever. So I don't want to hear none of that. Right. <laughs> it is what approach you take in life and what ideologies you hold in order to get to that approach. Yes. And it's clear that whatever I keep using the word trajectory a lot today. <laughs> is that my favorite current word? I don't know. <laughs> like yours is word. dialectics. Right. Trajectory. trajectory is a good word. But whatever trajectory she was on, she held some white supremacist viewpoints and talking points. And that is problematic. And that is something we need to address. Absolutely. That does not mean that Tina Turner's contribution. I, I don't know if uh, uh, my guess is she did change her name to Tina Turner and you know, her dead name or whatever is Ida mm-hmm. Bullock, but right. I don't know if she was still using that, but out of respect, Tina Turner, I don't know her full range of experiences and my hope. And I, I agree with you that I haven't seen any later response right. to this, but she's just like, yeah, I was in a particular place. So I'm just going for this because I haven't seen a response from her. Right. Yeah. Hopefully she did do some decolonization work, Hopefully. even though she lived in, Switzerland. in the, in the <laughs> European mountains. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Maybe she heard of Kwame Nkrumah or Kwame Ture or something. I don't know. I doubt it, but uh, maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe, you know, she was reading autobiography of Malcolm X and goes, right. man, and, you know, yeah. I, uh, I, I said some things. We could hope. Let's hope. Yeah. So my hope is that she, her viewpoints shifted into something that, uh, is less problematic we can mm-hmm. only hope but these are things that we have seen and we want to address it another person i want to address is your man michael jackson <laughs> my <Okay>. man michael jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so he's another one that supposedly you can't touch and this dude right. i keep saying it zoo's my favorite artist exactly but he is not immune from critique at all not at all so there's a particular scene in that interview he did with Martin Bashir. <laughs> and he's talking about Peter Pan. So mm-hmm. anyone knows anything about J.M. Barry, the guy who wrote Peter Pan, there was some racism going on with that guy. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> MJ proceeds to describe the world of Peter Pan in a way. And he describes the, the various foundation of people if you, I'm trying to be nice about this. <laughs> and so he echoes back what he's read in Peter Pan about the foundation information of indigenous people, etc. And I wish I could remember the exact quote, but he goes to saying, and that's why there's colored people. And uh. I remember when I first <laughs> saw that, I like, did nobody, am I the only person who caught this? Yeah. Because I see no one talking about this. I'm pretty sure a lot of folks glanced over that. How can you, this is Michael Jackson we're talking about. What's wrong with him? 
And this is how we have colored people. What? Uh, this is 1952? <laughs> <laughs> but then what was it? A year later, he was like, I look in the mirror. I know that I'm black. See, okay. Let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> so, I... I'm not conflicted about that, but the more I think about it, that was, uh, Michael Jackson was a person that looked at every opportunity and he exploited whatever opportunity. And that was an exploitable. (laughs) Oh yeah. So when he was dealing with Sony and he called Tommy Mottola the the devil devil and all of that. And then the dude's like, Oh, Michael is getting gangster today. You know, all that, that video. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, I went and I called Mariah Carey. Right, I called Mariah Carey. And she and cried to me and I held her. All, right, all of that. All right? of that. And Mariah Carey's like, what you talking about, bro? Like, uh, <laughs> okay, whatever, man. So. Yeah, Michael's funny with all that. So that whole period where it goes to National Action Network and then he has right. the Fruit of Islam, all yeah, of this. All of I think that. Jermaine introduces him to Fruit of Islam. But this whole thing, Michael's life was all transactional with very few things. But his public life, again, I didn't know the guy, so I don't know what he did off camera. But his public life was very transactional. Oh, yeah. And I have no doubt his marriage to Lisa Marie Presley was real. R.I.P. Right. Lisa Marie Presley. Mm-hmm. Man, they're, they're, they're right, probably they're like, right. duking it out like, wherever <laughs> they are. But... <laughs> I have no doubt that they loved each other. But let's keep it real. That relationship was also transactional. Transactional. Come on. <laughs> it's like Elvis Presley has a daughter. Right. I'm going to marry her. Of course. Right. This is my chance to will my yeah, power. Come on. And so, yeah. Do, do I think they loved each other? Yes. But we got to keep it real. <laughs> let's keep it And buck. his whole thing was, uh, I know I'm black. That's also transactional. Yeah. Because he needed an audience. And so right. when he's battling with Sony, all of this, then he, all of a sudden he's going to use that as a, as a reason. Like I'm black, I know who I am. But then you look at what he was saying in 87. What was it like that even came before up? that, even before then, right? Cause he was, he was fighting his father. Cause right. I remember I had the Rolling Stone interview Yeah, and, and no, it's so funny because people don't talk about this stuff. It, I remember a section being highlighted. You know how they have the interviews and then they highlight Mm -hmm. one section of the interview. So he talked about how he didn't want to have kids because it reminded him of his father. I remember that. Mm. So him having Prince in Paris, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they clearly do not remind him of his father. (laughs) That's a good point. Do they remind? They don't look like Joe to you and Catherine, you sir. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Again, MJ. Like we talked about this episode. Obviously, ago. he raised those kids. Those he raised those kids. kids. He's the father, but they don't look nothing like Jacksons. He was right in that. Yeah. So he wanted to remove himself from that part of his life, and I think there is a similarity between him and Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. And there is a part of them that wanted to appeal to everyone. So they had to lose a particular part of themselves in order to appeal to everyone. Right. And I think so much of that came out of trauma. And so when the industry was just like, 
oh, Michael Jackson? Oh, you're just as expendable as everyone else. He's like, oh, wait. Oh, word? I'm black. Yeah. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, again, I didn't know the guy. I didn't know Tina Turner. But this is just my perspective on things. And having had studied Michael Jackson, Mm -hmm. I tried to make sense of a lot of this. But 15 years have passed. And a lot of things, you know, make sense and they don't make sense. But one thing we cannot deny is that Michael Jackson's public life is very transactional. Yeah. And I don't think that's a problem to say that. <laughs> I mean, if you look at his his career, I don't see how anyone can deny that. Like, he made decisions, intentional decisions. He thought about it. He crafted. I mean, the whole idea of the greatest show on earth, that's planning involved in that. You just can't have the greatest show without thinking of what you want to be the idea that goes forth. And, you know, he, he knew what he was doing. And I think the thing with Michael that always strikes me is like, he, he really, really wanted to sit at the table. Like he, he wanted to, he wanted to prove that he could be the exception. And there are a lot of folks that have that same type of idea. Like I hear, I was talking to a friend of mine and they said to me, and I'm not going to call them by their name, but I'm going to call them out. Cause it was like, oh, my, my name. name. <laughs> <laughs> There's like, I want to, because they know how I feel about okra, right? Because oh, they were like, I want to be, I want to do what Oprah has not been able to do. I'm like, What's I'm, that? Like sell out herself for, for. Are you, y'all don't think okra sold, sold out? Right. It's like, what gives you the, like, you don't think that there's going to be a cost to, you, you think you're going to be the grand exception. You're going to be the exception to the rule. You're going to actually help and not going to be exploitive. Like that's, that's a common refrain that folks have. Like, I'm going to be the exception. I'm not going to be like the exploiters. I'm going to make a difference. So you, you are saying that you have more power than a system of exploitation and you can somehow get in there mm -hmm. and not be exploited. Superman steps in the phone booth one more time. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's, why you think Prince left? Right. And where he ended up, you know, he ended up selling a lot less records, but he got to make the art he wanted to. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's just like, what line do I want to take? Do I want to continue to sell my soul? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he went on the whole thing about slave and had it on his right. face. Or do I want to make the art I wanted to make? And clearly Micah Jackson it's like, I'll do what it takes to stay on top. And that hmm. comes at a spiritual cost. That comes at a physical cost. Ooh, that comes at cost. a mental cost. Yeah. And you saw some of that with Prince, too, even outside of the oh, Warner sure. Brothers thing. So y'all really out here thinking that Oka Winfrey <laughs> didn't sell her soul? Y'all really out here still thinking that? Really? Right. Like, come on, y'all. <laughs> Just look at her career. Look at her associations. Look at her friends. Look at right. who she promotes. Right. Like. <laughs> right. Now y'all don't think Jay-Z sold his soul right. to get where he got? Come on. So let's talk about selling out. What does selling out mean to you? Selling out. Mm. I mean, selling out to me is like you, you are. 
I mean, the question would then be like, what's your, well, who are you, what is the service for your art anyway? Like, are you doing this art for people? Do you want people to be inspired by this? Or are you just trying to do it because you want to make money? Are you doing the thing that gets you the hit and that gets you the sales? Or are you doing the thing that you want to do and you have principle about it? So like, I guess the short of it is like selling out is like, you forget the principle and it's like, the easy access to whatever you want. So if it's fame, if it's money, if it's attention, you'll just go that route because that's more important to you. But that's also not the most substantial or the most substantive. Like it, it, it loses, it loses when you, if you're just doing it for the hit or you're responding to the algorithm, that's another thing about selling out. Like you're just giving the algorithm what it wants. You're not giving the spirit of what you want. So, yeah, it's just like giving into the algorithm and not caring about how people receive it as long as you get the back end of that success. So my next question for you is, do you think Michael Jackson sold out? Yes, I think he did Why? sell out. Because he he didn't, because he's, I think he sold out the moment he wanted to just beat Thriller. The moment he was like, I want a bigger album than Thriller. Like, I want to go beyond that. Because he then maintain this search for more units being sold as opposed to like the art that I think he really, because he, he, he did a lot of talking about, well, I want to be a filmmaker. I want to do music like classical music, but he never did it. He maintained with the hit that he was looking for. He never really went for what he said he wanted to go after because it didn't, I'm not sure why he didn't. He talked a lot about it, but he didn't really go after that. So I feel like he main he remained in that that space of longing, and he wasn't satisfied with the end product because he wanted more. And it wasn't, and he never obviously reached that plateau of going beyond Thriller, but he wanted to. And so he became almost just like even when I think of what he did with the hee hee and everything, like he became like a re a repetition of this ladder that was, cl that he attempted to climb, but he never quite reached it. Mm. I think what you're talking about is just putting too many eggs in a basket. It, mm. I think when you want to do all these things, is it physically possible to do all of those things? No. All right. Like we only have so much time. And I'm actually going to disagree with you. I do not think Michael Jackson sold out because his objective was to be the biggest star in the whole world. So it's not like he yeah. was an anarchist and then saw a check and a contract and then went, oh. Right. So that's selling out. Selling out is when you totally relinquish whatever your beliefs are. Mm. Yeah, that's... That and Michael sense. Jackson never sold out because he always wanted to be at that level. That's true. You saw yeah. that. He, like, even when he was at Motown. Right. Like, he was groomed to do that. And he always wanted to be that. Yeah. So, yeah, I would not say Michael Jackson sold out at all. I would say that Jay-Z sold out. <laughs> I would say Oprah sold out. Right. Because they, you know, and may maybe, you know, underneath it all, they really did have those values to exploit people in the ways they do now. But I think just from where I saw them and yeah, maybe, okay, with Jay-Z, maybe he never sold out in that he was always trying to 
use somebody to get at the top. So mm-hmm. he's just an evil person. So maybe that's just what that <laughs> is and, right. and not exactly selling out because there was Jazzo with Hawaiian Sophie and all that. And then he hung out with Big Daddy Kane oh, yeah. and then all of this kind of stuff. And then, of course, he sold crack. But <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, he used whatever he could to get to the point of where he is now. All right. So it, I think that's just evil and exploitative is my definition of selling out. Yeah, I, I would not say that's fully the case of Jay-Z. I still would say on some level he did. Michael Jackson, no, because he You're was right. That like, was his that was always his goal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a little different with Jay-Z. Because Michael Jackson and Jay-Z didn't do the same things. Like, Michael Jackson, as far as I know, didn't step all over people in the way that Jay-Z did. Yeah. So yeah, I would. I did. actually retract. I wouldn't say he sold out. I just think, I think you described it great when you said he put all of his eggs in one basket and was really trying to, and like, I was like, sit at the table and, um, like, that was his objective at any mm. cost. Like, okay, I'm going to do what I can do and... It's just interesting to see, like, towards the end, right after the trial, he seemed to have, at least he was starting to get it and be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta make some decisions. Like, I'm not, I'm, even if I feel like, I'm not hanging out with no kids. I can't hang out with no kids. (laughs) Even if I feel like Peter Pan, I can't act like Peter Pan. Like, this is, this comes with consequences. So I feel like he did have some form of awakening. Um, It just happened. I mean, it was at the end, it was like three years, and then Mm -hmm. that was it. Yeah. And so people talking about, oh, a punk band moving to a major label that's selling out. Did they relinquish their values? That is what being a sellout is. So a band like Green Day did not sell out just because they moved to a major label. (laughs) (laughs) They did not, as far as I know, change their values. Right. A band like Rage Against the Machine. Mm Mm-hmm did not relinquish their values. And you can even talk about a band like Rage Against Machine where each member of that band had uh, varying levels of those values. Right. So uh, Zach De La Rocha, like he was more openly on the side, just always talking about the Zapatistas, always talking about organizing. So a lot of that band was him as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but and then you had like variations of the other members. So um so did Zach De La Rocha sell out? I don't think so. And being on a, a major label, that's just a another method of getting your art art out to yeah. more people. That's all that is. Yeah, more accessibility. Yeah, that's all that is. That has nothing to do with you exchanging your values for that. <laughs> No. So these right. people be like, "Oh, they sold out." That doesn't. That never made sense to me. So it, did Nirvana sell out? Because well, this makes me think of um. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying, did Nirvana sell out just because they went on a major label? Right. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Well, it makes me think of um. I'm not sure if you've. I'm sure you probably have not seen it, but Janelle Monae, right? She just released this new single called "Lipstick Lover." And a lot of her mm-hmm. old fans are saying she sold out because this is definitely more sexual present presenting. More Didn't she do something sexual like five years ago? She did. That's why I'm like, y'all not y'all haven't heard her last album, Dirty Computer, because 
the song Pink was pretty much, I mean, she had a... She had a video where she like, vagina, had the Prince right. thing with a butt out or something. Yeah. But this is way more. I mean, I think the album is called The Age of Aquarius or something like that. Or The Age of... I don't remember them. It's coming out in next month sometime. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely... The video she used in the promotion is way more sexual than any of the well, things she's Well, it's like porn done. or something? I mean, it's... I mean, it's, I mean it can't go on YouTube? Right. It's, it can go on YouTube, but it's like... it's. Like the video she used to promote it, she was out of the um, it's getting out of the pool, and you see her breast, and she didn't have like any bra on or whatever. It was like very suggestive, oh. right? It's, it's but going what people remember from the Arc Android and how she used to wear the white and black, and mm-hmm. um, you know, honoring the working class from her mom and her grandmother. Like a lot of folks, a lot of the fans have been like, this is so. I the feel like Janelle Monae, she's she's selling out, you know, because she's doing something more sexual than she's ever done. But I think if folks listen to her latest album, this is just an upgrade of that. My problem is it's not good. I I don't know if it's a cause of it being described as her selling out. I just think the music quality has suffered. I'm not sure why. So it's like Smokey Robinson. I find the shelter in your wings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah she out here doing Smokey Robinson yeah pretty much that's what the general census is like it's different from what I remember so it must be bad well again I think it is bad because it is not why, only, do you, why do you think it's bad I haven't I think the either. production is repetitive and she's doing the thing where a lot of artists are just making songs for TikTok so they can get more streams so like the song is two minutes and 20 seconds I think the album is really short but the song itself is like two minutes and 30 seconds and it's just repetitive well what is it about being kissed by a woman and you know lipstick like basically it's kind of like gasms <laughs> I mean it's not to the subject matter of gasms so it's essentially like I'm craving your kiss so that I could you know, feel good or whatever. Subject matter we've heard before, you know. I mean, okay, let's... What are some good songs to you along these lines that would be appealing? Because people out here making songs about sex that are bad. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently. A song that I think... Because you could talk about sex. It's just how you do it. Like Cinnamon Let's Tree by Esperanza sex, Spalding. Baby. Let's talk yeah. about you. <laughs> Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about all the good things and the bad things. See? <laughs> Soy Pepper's talking about the dialectics of sex. Right, yeah. Why can't talk we talk about, about, about the dialectics exactly. Let's of just, these people? It's just the general, typical, what you know you're going to hear when it comes. That's what I don't like about a lot of songs that talk about sex. It's so typical. Like, how many times have we heard about the relations and the correlations to sex. You know, what about, like, I want your sex. Yeah, like, uh, it's like okay. I was saying like one of the good examples for me is "Cinnamon Tree" by Esperanza Spalding. I think that song is sexy, but it's not going out of its way. It's using allegory or whatever, and mm-hmm. it's you know, I mean, not that you can't be to the point and explicit, but I just feel myself for myself. There's not a lot of thought going behind a lot of this. What about You Sure Love the Ball, Marvin Gaye? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You like that? I like that. What about 
Loving you, Minnie Ripperton. Yes. Yeah, you like that yeah, one? Yeah, I like that. What what other song is it? You um, you listen to Prince? I don't know. Right. Scandalous. <laughs> oh touch it. And it's <laughs> Right. Touch it. And it's blue. Wait, it's basically Call my name. You mentioned that earlier. Okay. That's a good no, one. No, no. The scandalous video where it's just him and a microphone. Everybody's right. getting all hot and bothered. <laughs> <laughs> scandalous. <laughs> Marvelous. And then that, that's so weird because that song is at the end credits of Batman. That's such a weird song. And his dad helped him write it. I believe his dad wrote the uh, melody of it. <laughs> 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 What about Adore? Yeah, I mean, it's more. I feel like Adore. It's so it's spunky. It's funny to me. I don't really find it as one of those. I mean, a lot of people see it as the ultimate love song from Prince, but I prefer Scandalous, the Sex Suite. But I do love Adore, but it's not in that. You would like the Sex Suite, the Sex Suite, the crime, the passion, the rapture. You listen to Kim Basinger. Yeah, oh my god let's not talk about that that's the part where it's like we don't need to hear her throughout like, this skip, 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 yeah skip. i don't i hate all of that it sounds so it's painful to listen to that but what about the ultimate <laughs> love to love you baby oh yeah that's good you like that <laughs> yeah i can't think of of any more <laughs> oh, there's there's lots there are of plenty them. of them but you know half of them coming from marvin gay the other half coming from barry white <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And then yeah. two of them come over Smokey Robinson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm thinking of a Smokey Robinson song. What is it? Where it's like it's something with ecstasy. Oh, the agony and the agony ecstasy. and the ecstasy. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I can't. Wow. But What's if you the, hear the Janelle Monae song, there's a section that re, she says in the chorus, for your love, which reminds me of Stevie Wonder, of course. Oh, boy. <laughs> that song has nothing to do with sex. Don't include I know, that. I know. Don't I include know. that. But it reminds me of it because it's so like, it sounds almost identical to that section, the way she sings it. What's a, somebody, I was around in the 90s and don't remember this song, but somebody, I think maybe a year ago or whatever, maybe less than that, played that song about having sex like animals with, or like what? was it why don't we do it like the discovery channel or something? oh my gosh oh i have never heard that i missed that whole era of music and i was like Gee what is whiz. this song that's painful yeah oh oh what's the nine inch nail song the closer closer i can't say i remember the, i want to fuck you like an animal oh yeah that's <laughs> You like that one? That's a, nah. That's too scary. Yeah, it's a little too much. That's <laughs> People what I'm like, like that one. I know, but <laughs> I like I don't know. Like I like allegory. That's just mm. me. I mean, I don't mind the explicit stuff sometimes. I guess I'm trying to think of what song. I like. just I think sex songs are funny. I look at them as comedy. Honestly. They are a lot of them right now are comedy. It's like. <laughs> Yeah, I don't always look for that. Like, if I want to see or hear about sex, I'd rather it be. I don't mind reading it in a book. We talked mm-hmm. about this before. Like the book, when you like your your imagination is able to kind of unwind, mm-hmm. I like that. As opposed to like, here's what it is. Now you have to listen to it and look at it. Because like, mm-hmm. then it's like, I don't want to look at that. 
<laughs> oh, you haven't heard uh, uh, the OG mechanics then, which is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's something. No. Oh, well, you've heard the remake of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Four Horsemen. Oh. You know the Four Horsemen? No. The Metallica song. The oh, that's what that's what I was thinking. About. I was like, I was about to say, unless you're talking about the fort by Metallica. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. the original song was Mechanics. Oh. And okay. so you want to talk about like allegory, whatever. It's a lot. The whole song was like allegories for sex. Oh wow. Okay. It was. It's pretty bad. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, it was like eight, 17, 18, 9 year, nineteen year old people writing it. So oh, well, you I mean, know, you can only bad. imagine. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's. <laughs> Too much for me. Did Stevie win her, right? I mean, he didn't really go that far. I don't feel like with. I guess you can think of. Um, oh, how can we forget Christmas. in the closet? Oh, right. How do we forget? That's that? a good example. How do we forget that one? Because if it's aching, you got to rub it. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, okay. She, she wants to get it. She wants to get it. It's something that song. There's some things in life you must understand. understand. The truth of life. So open the door and you will see there are no secrets. Make your room set me free. (laughs) Yes. That's probably his best, cause he didn't. You know, Michael didn't have a lot of songs dealing to that regard that were believable. I can believe in the closet. Yeah, that, that was kind of believable. His other songs, uh, "Give In to Me," no, absolutely. You not. and no. your friends were no. laughing at me at time. No. <laughs> Who are some other people that tend to be worshipped? And if you have any critique for them. It's like, don't touch them. Prince. I mean, Prince, really? Yeah. Like, the Prince community is quite protective of Prince. And, I mean, Prince has a lot of contradictions. I thought people who were fans still be hating on him. Nah, I feel like a lot of Prince fans give him just this high status where it's kind of like you can't talk, you can't criticize him. Um, Huh. I've seen that a lot where people go out their way to be like, no, nah, Prince is flawless in this way or that way. But Prince is flawless? Yeah, there's this popular meme that will go around. I, I have to find it and send it to you where it's like all of these descriptions, like never been accused of this, never been like they give all of these descriptions of what he hasn't done from the media. It's like, yeah, but his relationship with young girls and his grooming. Maite Garcia. Yeah, like. That was a consistent thing. Didn't he, like, quote unquote, legally he adopt legally her? legally adopted her. Yeah. And then married her when she and was like ma- 18 or something? Yeah. Like, I want Hello, isn't that grooming? That's grooming. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, to say that Princess Flawless is insane. Like, this guy has a lot of a lot of stuff. So um, he did the same thing that Aerosmith did. Dude did. Mm, yeah. And the Led Zeppelin didn't. Uh, uh, Led Zeppelin dude do the same thing. All, all them dudes. Legally adopted people and then married them or waited till it was 18 and have stuff. I'm like, what's wrong with y'all? Nah, nah. There's a whole world of adults out there. Exactly. I don't understand that. Nah, not a fan. (laughs) Not a fan. (laughs) 
understand. Another artist, though, I would say probably Beyonce, of course. Oh, I forgot about the you people. know, yeah, yeah. Like, you can't say nothing. Oh, yeah, Nicki Minaj. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and, what's the point in that, right? To just be like, you can't say anything about them, and you justifying all of their actions. What are you getting in, out of that? There's nothing to gain. Yeah, these these people don't even they know don't you. Even you're know dependent you. on. <laughs> and a lot of them don't like you either. I mean, you you know the one thing that I will defend. What? Saying anger. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> that's the only thing that's perfect in this world. <laughs> no one is perfect but Saint Anger. Put up a red glove fist, make a sound. <laughs> <laughs> no one is perfect but Saint Anger. Don't you dare touch Saint Anger. You must respect it. That's right. You can you can talk about everybody else, but you do not touch Saint Anger. <laughs> <laughs> Saint Anger. No, yes, there are definitely valid criticisms of that album, but I yeah. still think it's perfect. Like no guitar solos. Mm. Talk away, talk away, <laughs> do whatever you want. But that album's still perfect to me. That's the only thing I stand for. It's Saint Anger. <laughs> Around your neck. Never get... Okay, I'm seeing download in what is a week and a half. Yeah. They have not done any Saint Anger They're waiting for you. At all on this tour. They're waiting for you. Do you think they're going to do some St. Anger? I think so. I think they are. They're going to at least do one song. They're going to be like, this is that weird girl that's got one leg, just made a movie about it. Here you go. Please you shut go. up now. Please. We did two songs. Please shut up. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be gonna, satisfied with at least one song. Right? That's what they're going to say. Look, I'll be happy if they do anything from that album. They, they haven't should. done anything They haven't done anything so since they've been on tour, so... Yeah, I'll be I'll be happy with whatever, but you know I'll be even happier if they do the whole album. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> be like the full version of all within my hands. Shut up now! <laughs> we finally did it. Okay, are you leave happy? me alone? Shut up. Accept it. <laughs> so I think we have uh, exhausted the subject. One thing, oh. one more thing I have to mention. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking about this. So one thing I would say in relation to Tina Turner and her abuse is so, you know, I talk about the movie, what's love got to do with it. Yeah. So one common meme, and this is the part that I don't like, you know, cause when folks are criticizing Tina Turner about the stuff we're talking about, like the anti African stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I criticize that. But like what I have seen a lot, that's not funny to me. I will let me preface to say, I don't believe this is funny. Now, when I first got on social media and I realized this was a meme and I'm referring to the meme of Lawrence Fishburne, when he had the wig on and he, he gives that look to Tina Turner, you, you, I'll have to show you a picture of it because it's a meme that a lot of people used to share as a funny meme, almost kind of like the death stare or whatever. Cause it's, you oh. see him with this, you know, wig on and people make fun of it, but I don't think that's funny mm -hmm. to be using her in you know, the cases of the domestic abuse she, she right. endured. That is not funny to me. I've seen so many people post pictures of that well there's the the get the cake anime yeah i'm glad you yeah. mentioned that because beyonce yeah and jay-z referenced that exact line beyonce's obviously really inspired by tina turner but right. yet she had the audacity to be on a song in which her husband says eat the cake anime eat the cake you know and that Ooh. is cringe yeah it was cringe when i heard it it's still cringe now 
And I think folks should just not do that. Like it is not okay to reference her in light of her abuse because a lot oh, of folks yeah. have done that. And I think you can make a point of Tina without having to recall, you know, the time with Ike in that right. abusive relationship. So, yeah, you know, I, I think you can critique her white supremacist talking points. You can critique her colonialism. You can critique whatever problematic ideology she holds, but it is no need to touch someone's experience with being a survivor of abuse. Absolutely no, not. Right. That to me should not be something to touch. Absolutely. Yeah. Not okay. Not okay. It's not funny. I'm like, why are y'all sharing this photo? Like, again, when I first got on, I remember when the meme first was popular, something in me thought it was funny. Maybe, and it was mainly because of the wig, Lawrence Fishburne's mm -hmm. wig, you know. But I was never a fan of, you know, calling attention to her abuse as something funny because domestic abuse, abuse in general is not funny. Nothing funny about that. Um, oh, yeah. No, ab absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I grew up around that. I experienced it. Right. Um, not funny. Yeah. Not funny. not funny. So I definitely empathize right. with Tina Turner as a survivor of domestic abuse on whatever level. I mean, obviously, I didn't experience things on the level she did. And to get out of that and to make a plan to do that, I commend her for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But but she has some problematic views that she held and, and that's what we need to stick to in terms of the right. critiques. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know all this. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> Calling it out. Gotta be said, you know. Two things can be true at once. <laughs> <laughs> the truism. Oh, man. Uh, truisms here. Truisms. Truisms. Gotta deal with it. Look it in the eye. <laughs> so you got any? I'm sure there'll be a ton of examples after we right. finish this episode. Oh, yeah, here's this person. Exactly. But do you have any final words for this episode? Be kind. First of all, if you're going to be critical about anything, at least like we gave honor to Tina for, at least start by saying you don't know what you're talking about. Right. Like, be like, I don't know. I didn't study this. I mean, at that point, people will listen could probably just tune you out like, oh, they ain't reading it. Oh, they, ain't, they don't know what they're talking about. But at least before you even do that, just know what you're talking about so that you don't make comments like that. And, um, you know, and don't be afraid to engage in conversations that involve critique because critique is helpful. I mean, someone can change your life by telling you a better or a perspective that will help your life. So receive that. Honor it and, and be kind, you know, and accept that all of what is said can be in it to your advantage if you understand that, you know, where someone is coming from. It's like, hey, this has a result. You say this, this can make someone feel this way. Like, just be mindful of what is said and how that is internalized. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And remember that all of us, particularly if we were born and came into this earth in a society like the U.S. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if we came onto this earth in a society which is capitalist, which is inhumane, which is individualistic, we're all going to carry with us some set of contradictions that we have to work through. Absolutely. So 
myself, Jesse, uh, neither one of us are perfect. Not we're all. not here. I mean, like, we're better than Tina Turner. I mean, she's definitely better at both of us at something. <laughs> sure. <you know? laughs> Absolutely. Dancing, I mean, singing. I, she's way better at singing than I am. <laughs> I can't. I mean, you hear her singing here all the time. She's way better at it. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure there's lots of things that she's better at than both of us. But no one is immune from critique. And anyone be like, how can you attack? It's like, again, listen to the episode before you right. start coming for us. <laughs> <laughs> please. Listen, please listen. <laughs> listen, engage. We would love to hear your thoughts. And even if you disagree with us, be Let mindful us right. and listen to what Jesse said. You know, it's okay to disagree with someone and struggle over ideas. We both love to do it. Yeah. But being reactionary about that and be like, you're just a hater. Like, that's no, not right, going no. to get any engagement from us. Right. No, no, it's not. <laughs> you like, got to give us a reason to, to see what you're saying. You just can't right. say we're haters and we're, we, right. we suck. Like, no. Right. <laughs> just say you disagree. It's fine. You can absolutely disagree. But why do you disagree? Right, right. Provide the why <laughs> so we can engage that and have conversation. Right. Maybe we'll learn something, you know? Exactly. <laughs> We're here to learn. We're here to learn. So thank you. Thank you. For listening to another episode. We will be back soon. And wow. <laughs> Blessings, everyone. <laughs> Have a good time wherever you are. Thank you. Thank you.